ओम ज्ञान तिमिरंधस्य ज्ञानंजन शलाकाय चक्षुरिन्मीलितम् येन तस्माय श्रीगुरवे नमः Ah, so, questions, please. During preaching, I was asked, how four-like species are there in human form? How are they distinguished from each other? Nice you're smiling, but <laughs> you should translate. Well, in reply, I could just smile. That. <laughs> Tough one. Tough question. Actually, it says four like spices, species. Um, yeah, the word used in Padma Purana is Jiva Jati. And Prabhupada translates this as species. <laughs> jati and in Telugu it's Jati. It's another problem of different languages and different cultures. Hindi translation is going on. Canada, not needed. Eh? Canada is also going on. Side by side. All right. Uh, yeah, the Western concept uh, of species doesn't seem to be exactly the same as the Vedic Jeev Jati. I brought this or a similar question once to the recently departed Sadaputa Prabhu who was uh, trained in modern science and a very staunch devotee of Krishna, Srila Prabhupada's disciple. In very uh, highly learned in many fields of science and and also many uh, topics of Vedic knowledge and the understanding and the correlation. He was brilliant. Now he's passed away and there's no one like him in our movement. But I also saw once a list of some questions he had given for Shastric research. And it was clear that there were many things that he didn't know also. And in fact, the more we study, the more we realize that there's so much that we don't know. So uh, he also said this, that what exactly is meant by a species, it's not exactly the same as when Prabhupada uses the word species, it's, it's an approximation compared to the modern scientific term. Of course, modern scientists, they may also have difficulty to precisely define what a species is. Generally, we hear, or when we study biology at school, we hear that there are two basic divisions of living beings, namely, uh, yeah, the uh, animals, birds, reptiles on one side and the uh, plants on the other. Well, what about viruses? Where do they come? Are they are they a living being or not a living being? Is that the word? Virus. Is it? It's a funny word because cre- it comes from creamy, same as creamy, but that's something different. Right? Anyway, it's your language. I can't. You know, if they mess it up, it's not my fault. You should you should revise the Telugu language, get it in line with Sanskrit again.
Yeah, ikar. And what about uh, fungi? What's that? It's not really a plant. It's not really a. Well, what is it? So they. Well, I'm just making the point that they, in modern science, they're also they're not so clear about everything that's going on, even at a very basic level of classification. Now, within the human species, uh, mentioned the in Padma Purana. It, it appears to be more than what we generally consider humans. Really? It must include also, you see there's the list, what is it? Jalajana Valakshani, there are nine lakh species in the water. Stavara Laksha Vingshati, there are uh, 20 lakhs of uh, immo- immobile creatures like trees and plants. Everybody. So the divisions are aquatics, uh, plant life, then uh, reptiles and snakes, birds and animals and humans. So where do the demigods come? So they must be included within the humans, right? Yeah. And uh, then also they're described in Shastras as uh, Kinara, Kimpurusha, like this. Charnas, Apsaras, Gandharvas, they're like sub, they're called sub-demigods or, or minor demigods. Yakshas, Rakshasas, so it appears that they all fall within the four lakh species. But they may also uh, interbreed, just like we find sometimes the uh, humans, they interbreed with uh, demigods or with Nagas, uh, Arjuna married a Naga princess, Ulupi. So, uh, what's the conclusion of all this? We need research, a lot of research is needed. As I've many times said, to uh, establish Vedic knowledge in the world, we first of all have to establish what it is. And uh, Vedic knowledge covers all areas of human endeavor. And it's often from a very different perspective from its uh, parallel discipline in modern studies. Just like uh, Ayurveda is the science of Vedic medicine, it's just a... If you study, uh, you get your MBBS, your... uh, you become qualified as a doctor. If after that you want to do Ayurveda, it's just like starting all over again because there, there's not there's just such a completely different perspective. So much research is needed. And Srila Prabhupada wanted that. For that purpose, he founded the Bhaktivedanta Institute. Yeah, so in other words, the four like species, they may not all be on this planet. It doesn't seem like that. How are they distinguished from each other? Well, certainly the, the demigods are quite different from the humans on this planet. So there is, there is different from the humans on this planet as a cow is from a horse. So if people ask us these questions, we say we can tell them that we can give them a general idea, but much research is needed because much Vedic knowledge has been lost.
not exactly lost uh, in the in the sense that it's completely gone, but it's not prominent in human society at the present time. Okay, next. Yeah. Oops, sorry. Where does this begin? Some devotees said me. Some devotees said to me that one should not offer their obeisances to devotees and even in and sannyasis in front of the deities. How to understand this? Uh, well, how to understand it? It's a shastric injunction. It's right there in the nectar of devotion. So the point is, in, in front of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, that respect should be offered to Him. Attention should be on Him. Another question. Srila Prabhupada said, language should not be a hindrance for understanding his books. As books should be translated in something languages, various languages. In yesterday's lecture, you have said that each language has its own concoction. Not exactly. Uh, maybe uh, it, yeah, Anyway, I'll get, okay. So while translating books, there may be a, a major problem in presenting the subject in the in an exact way. How to overcome this problem? Well, even... Even the uh, language, Sanskrit, even if you're expert in Sanskrit, that doesn't necessarily mean that one understands the teachings of Shastra. Knowledge is uh, transmitted not simply by reading, nor even just by hearing. Matasmriti jnanam apohanam cha. The understanding comes by the grace of God, Krishna, who is within everyone's heart. And uh, how different people understand is inspired by Krishna from within their heart, according to their various desires. Now this is a, it's actually quite a deep philosophical subject. The study of language and how it's understood it encompasses such disciplines as uh, psychology, linguistics, anthropology, sociology. So it's not necessary for us to study all of these subjects in order to understand what's in Prabhupada's books. But again, for the uh, benefit of the uh, intellectual members of society who will always be there except in maybe some hunter, hunter's kind of society. As long as there's any civilization, there'll always be intellectuals. So uh, the, these topics uh, should be dealt with. And again, it comes to research and Bhaktivedanta Institute and all these things. And actually these questions were also dealt with by the ancient philosophers of India. It's, a, it's the subject of pramana or epistemology as it's called in modern English. We accept uh, shabda as or sound as the ultimate pramana or, or evidence, reliable source of information, reliable source of knowledge. But what does that mean? Does that mean some, we hear some uh, cinema music? That's also shabda, but that's not that's not shabda pramana. Shabda means the uh, Vedic sounds. 
But not everyone's qualified to receive that or understand that. Traditionally, there were very high standards for being accepted as a disciple. Because if someone takes the Vedic knowledge and they misunderstand it and misinterpret it, it causes uh, much damage in society. So certainly translating Srila Prabhupada's books into different languages, it's, it's, uh, it's a great challenge. Especially when the languages, um, they don't reflect the, 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 the culture in which the original Vedic knowledge was presented. Uh, ultimately, the uh, communication comes by, not just by reading the books, but by associating with devotees also, by which all the different points become clarified. The books they should uh, follow, what is the translation should follow as closely as possible what is given by the, uh, what, what Srila Prabhupada has written. Srila Prabhupada gave uh, Bhakti Charu Maharaj the task of translating his books from English to Bengali. And he told Bhakti Charu Maharaj that you first read it and understand it, and then you present the subject matter in your own words. In other words, not trying to just exactly follow. If you try to exactly translate from one language to another, especially when two languages are quite different from each other, it becomes an it becomes ugly and not clear. So at least I can say that the uh, Bengali translations of Srila Prabhupada's books are very uh, very well presented and uh, Bengali itself being such a, a sweet language they're actually in some ways more relishable to read than the English but the Hindi books no, no there's a lot of problems with the Hindi books what do you say, Savyasati Das there are problems with the Hindi translations sometimes they don't understand the translator doesn't understand what Prabhupada said Sometimes they give their own Mayavadi idea. Sometimes the translation, you don't know what they're saying. You have to go back to the English. It doesn't really make any sense at all. Fair so uh, all the Hindi books are in the process of being re-translated. And many of the Tamil books also. Are thoroughly edited. Recently I was giving a lecture and uh, Sri Gurudhari was translating into Tamil. And then... He was like, I was reading from Prabhupada's book in English. He was supposed to be reading it in Tamil. And then he would just pause and look at the English and say, what's the problem? He said, I can't understand the word Tamil. So I look at the English to see what it says and retranslate it. <laughs> in the Soviet Union, uh, it was very difficult to... There, there was no, It was very difficult to have any communication between devotees in the Western world and devotees in the Soviet Union. Because... It was illegal to be a devotee and uh, to preach Krishna consciousness in the Soviet Union. And the uh, but somehow or other devotees in Sweden got Sri Ishopanishad translated into Russian, and it was very. They they printed I think two hundred thousand, and they were somehow or other they smuggled them into Russia, and they were widely distributed in Russia, and many people became devotees by reading them. It was translated by a non-devotee and it was full, I mean, it's just, from what the devotees told me, it was just like almost unintelligible. 
Lord Krishna, that, that gives a translation like Lord, like a British Lord. The word Lord is used for God and it's used for like a British nobleman, so they gave it like that. Like. But it was full of mistakes, but somehow or other many people became devotees. I remember I first the first book of Prabhupada I read was the Krishna book, volume 2. And although the language in that book is relatively simple compared to other books, I couldn't understand much of it. There were stories, but like the philosophy, it was just like, I don't know what it was. But in the middle of it, all Prabhupada said, one should chant, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So I started doing that. So I understood that much. Hmm. Oh. Just having an attack of antibiotic glacier. Philosophy in action. Adibhotik klesh. I'm getting attacked by ants. See, we're not just theoretical philosophers. Okay, what's the next question? Yeah, why don't you read it out in English while I just take this off. On Ekadasi, we offer grains to Radha Krishna, but why we should not offer to Gauranitai? Well, Krishna is the supreme enjoyer. Krishna do. So he doesn't have to fast. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is non-different from Krishna. So uh, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is present in this world, he fasts on a Kadashi in the mood of a devotee. So we worship him in that way. He, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu won't be affected in any way if, we, if he eats grains, but it's his practice to fast on a Kadashi. Amen. Mm. Pure devotees are always under the protection of Lord. Srila Prabhupada is also one of the pure devotees of the Lord. Not just one of them. He's very special, even among pure devotees. Yeah. Atnu, kevalo vaka suddha bhaktu de kadu. Atnu chala pratyeka vena suddha bhaktu do. When some service rendered to him get disturbed, say for example, someone is looking for Srila Prabhupada and he messed up something. Looking and cooking, cooking for Srila Prabhupada and he messed up something. Yeah. He messed up something. Messed up something, yeah. He messed up something. Now, such things takes place because of Lord's plan or due to the... Well, that's a good philosophy, isn't it? Here you are, Srila Prabhupada, all the prasad, the chapatis are burned, the rice isn't cooked, and then I put uh, salt in the sweet rice instead of sugar, but it's all Krishna's plan. So eat it. Devotee is under Krishna's protection, 
but he lives and acts in this world as if one of us. And Acharya means one who teaches by his example. He teaches how to live in this difficult world and be a devotee of Krishna. If everything was arranged for him, just like he goes out on a rainy day and then as soon as he walks out, some demigod comes flying down with an umbrella. Whenever he feels hungry, a plate of rasgullas just materializes in front of him. And how would he teach us how to live in this world and remember Krishna? So he lives and appears as if one of us. And that was actually one of Srila Prabhupada's great glories, that in many ways he presented himself as if he was an ordinary person, just to uh, give us hope that that you see Prabhupada, he's living in this world, we're also living in this world. Prabhupada said, do as I am doing. If we do as Prabhupada is doing, then we can also be like Prabhupada in the sense that we are absorbed in Krishna. So this is a very important point to understand that a pure devotee is always under the protection of Krishna. And the material energy never acts on him. But the... uh, (coughs) He's always under the protection of the spiritual nature. But that spiritual nature acts through the material energy to facilitate his service to Krishna in various ways. But if we... uh, don't serve him properly, we can't say, well, it's Krishna's arrangement. That is our neglect, and it is, uh, and he may point that out. Yeah, and? Oh, there's a long question. Yeah, so to summarize this question, Srila Prabhupada sometimes spoke about uh, preaching to the intelligent class of men. And some say that when Prabhupada said that, it means not with material intelligence. Because with material... Prabhupada said we need to recruit intelligent people to be take up leadership roles in our society. So, does that mean material intelligence or does it mean spiritual intelligence? Uh, yeah, and, uh, a person, an uneducated person who takes to Krishna consciousness is certainly more spiritually intelligent than a million Einsteins. But still Einstein may be more materially intelligent than pretty much anyone in this world, so we're told. So if you wanted to learn about uh, the uh, general theory of relativity, it would probably be better to go to Einstein than to a pure devotee. If you want to... uh, you see, uh, just like there's a court case coming up, there's so many court cases that ISKCON's involved in. It's the modern world. So then we uh, have to consult a lawyer. We don't just say, okay, you know, we'll, we'll go into the court and we'll pray to Krishna. And then Krishna will inspire us to say whatever's required. No, we have to go to a lawyer who knows the law and how to he knows the procedures and all these kind of things. So we see that Srila Prabhupada, uh, the, he made people leaders of his movement, not necessarily based on their spiritual acumen. Srila Prabhupada praised the two uh, two brothers who are pujaris in Mayapur, still there, their whole life. 
Pankajangari Prabhu and Jananivas Prabhu as perfect brahmacharis. But he didn't make them temple presidents or GBCs, he kept them as pujaris. So uh, he gave leadership roles to people with some dynamism and a will to get things done, not necessarily that they were very, like the best in sadhana, not necessarily so. So and Srila Prabhupada said to preach in the colleges so that we could include some intelligent people so they can take leadership roles. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's pretty clear that... Uh, yeah, he wanted to take such people and train them spiritually also. Not just by material ability, but when that, when that training is used in Krishna's service, it has a specific and uh, required use. Now, Prabhupada said to preach in the college. He also said to preach in the villages. He said to preach to the scientists. He said to preach to everyone. Srila Prabhupada was preach, interested in preaching everywhere. He went to Fiji. You know, how important in the world map is Fiji? Someone there was uh, enthusiastic to take up Krishna consciousness, so Prabhupada went there. But he particularly concentrated his preaching efforts on Srila Prabhupada. Particularly concentrated his preaching efforts on India, actually. Spent, he, went to, he went to... He, yeah, okay, India. Um, he gave importance to preaching in America as the most prominent country in the world. He had great hopes for Krishna consciousness in Russia. When I was uh, preaching in Thailand, I, we heard from one Thai devotee that devotees had gone there and Prabhupada called them back to India. He said, it's not such an important place. It doesn't mean that there should be no preaching in Thailand, but considering there were so few devotees in India, Prabhupada saw strategically for preaching Krishna consciousness, it's more important to develop India first. So there are strategies in preaching also. If Prabhupada had gone to, for instance, uh, Portugal first instead of America, uh, well, it wouldn't have been such a strategically good move. It's not that the jivas in America are more important than the jivas in Portugal. But as Srila Prabhupada often said, all the world is following America, so if the Americans become Krishna conscious, then all the world will follow. Whereas if the Portuguese become Krishna conscious, well, it's not likely to have the same effect. Portugal's a small country in Europe, by the way. పోపులేషన్ spoke to many leaders in these fields because yadyadachrati shreshthas tattad evataro janaha sayat pramanam kurute lokas tad anuvartate those who are considered the best people in society what they do others tend to follow Srila Prabhupada also saw great uh, hope in reviving the spiritual culture in Indian villages so he put a lot of stress on that also 
So all these programs should go on. Yeah. Please guide us on educating children in Krishna consciousness. Well, it's a very big topic. Srila Prabhupada said that if the uh, if the parents and the elders they're Krishna conscious, then the children will automatically follow them. Often parents bring their children to me and say, please bless him or her that he or she, to speak in politically correct language, will be a pure devotee of Krishna. So I tell them, you be a pure devotee and then your child will be a pure devotee. Don't behave seri- If you don't practice Krishna consciousness seriously, then it's not my, some magic wand blessing is going to make them into pure devotee. I've spoken many times on this subject, so I'm not going to, as there are many questions, I'm not going to elaborate more at this Yeah. How can one depend on Krishna's mercy on their spiritual life and on simple living? Sorry, I don't understand the question. Do you understand it? How can one depend on Krishna's mercy on their spiritual life and on simple living? I don't understand the question. Yeah. Maybe you should, whoever wrote this question could maybe write it in a language which they're more familiar with. Questions can be written in Telugu, Hindi, Canada, whatever. Because I don't, you know, I, I can't understand. Is it? Are you sure? We can only guess because it's not clear what the question is. So please rewrite the question in a, in a language. We are in the circle of hours office, always depend on the mercy of boss with an insecurity feeling inside and working very hard. So please suggest us or guide us how we can take up simple living and depend on Krishna in every aspect. You only have eight hours in the office, that's not bad, it's less than most people in India these days. Uh, well, you, you can't have simple living and be in, a, in an office with a boss. It's not just a matter of putting a sign on the wall saying simple living. It, it means a different lifestyle altogether. So, yeah, it's either, it's like a package. If you, if you, if we're in modern life, then everything goes with it: stress, exploitation, office politics, nasty bosses, and all that kind of thing. Therefore, Srila Prabhupada recommended: live simply, depending on the land, the cows, and Krishna, and especially Krishna. How can we logically demonstrate to an impersonalist that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead? Well, we can logically demonstrate it, but to be an impersonalist means you're totally illogic, illogical in the first place. So it might be difficult for them to understand. The Vaishnava Acharyas have pointed out many of the 
logical defects in the impersonalist position. Once in the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, Srila Prabhupada was speaking, and afterwards an Indian student challenged Prabhupada. The student took an impersonalist stance. That's MIT. IIT is like a copy of MIT. It's like very prestigious. So there was some discussion and it got a little intense. And at one point Prabhupada grabbed that rascal's shirt. Did you translate the word rascal? You said... Nadawa. Okay. I heard Vidyarthi. And he said, you see you have to... You have to wear a shirt. You can't just you can't just wear a ball of cotton. It's not all one. So there are many logical uh, defects in the whole idea. If they say that jiva is God, well, how does the jiva get into Maya? That means that Maya is more than God. Or if you say that. All the jivas are one, then if one gets liberated, then they should all get liberated. If you say that, well, it's all one, then why don't you eat stool? Just the same. It's the same as rice, it's, it's just different combination of chemicals. Or... You can say, well, if it's all one, then the, then the money in your pocket, it might as well be in my pocket. It's all the same, right? So, I'm taking the money out of your pocket. You and me are the same. There are many defects in that. How can we demonstrate? Oh, actually, I didn't answer the question. How can we logically demonstrate to an impersonalist that Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead? You can't logically demonstrate it to anyone. It's beyond logic. That we are controlled, and that which uh, by by inference we can it makes sense to understand that there is a controller. How much we can by induction we can understand. Just like we are in this country, India, and someone may come to this country and they don't know who is the head of government, but they know that there should be some head of government. That there is a head of government, they can understand. Without, They can just expect that it must be a fact. There is a government and there's some system of ruling the country. But by logic, we cannot understand who the head of government is, what his name is, what his father's name is, what he looks like, what he likes to eat. So these topics are beyond logic, even in the mundane sphere. So what to speak of the spiritual sphere. Yeah. But that uh, impersonalism is nonsense. It's not very difficult to show, except that People are rascals. That's why they're attracted to such a philosophy in the first place. I'll tell this story again for maybe the thirtieth time. Once I was in Patna and some students came up to me on the street, there was some residential area, and started asking me about 
what we're doing, what's the philosophy and all this. And one man came up and was listening and all of a sudden he interjected that, why Krishna? He became angry to hear that I was saying that we should surrender to Krishna. Why should you sur- why surrender to Krishna? We can surrender. God is everywhere. God is everything. So there were some pigs running around in the vicinity. So I said, would you worship that pig as God? Because he was saying everything is God. So he said, yes, yes. So I, I asked him, would you take the stool of the pig and take it home and offer arati? Yes, yes, yes. And this is the... Uh, he, was, he was enthusiastic. Yes, I'll worship. He was against worshipping Krishna, but he was ready to offer the, the arati to the stool of a pig. He was so envious of Krishna, he was protesting against the worship of Krishna because... It's all, everything's all one. But just to demonstrate his point, he he didn't want to admit defeat, so he was ready to offer the stool of a pig. Arati to the stool of a pig. Okay, next question. It is said that one's karma is already fixed along with birth, but every jiva commits so many activities in the course of his lifetime, and the reactions of some activity may come in the same lifetime, so how can we say that reactions are fixed? Did you all understand that? Our destiny is fixed. Along with your birth comes your karmic package. So, but then you do more things, so that will influence. So, how can you say it's fixed? Well, it's not totally fixed. If it was totally fixed, you couldn't have made any karmic reactions in the first place. If you are absolutely destined to act in a certain way in a previous life, then you, you, how could you get any reactions? Because you didn't choose to do right or wrong. So certain things are destined, but still we have some choice. Just like uh, as long as this body is alive, then you, it has you know, certain conditions which come with the body. You may have... Uh, certain a tendency towards certain diseases but uh, you can choose to take medical treatment or not one example given is that uh, you may choose to take a flight from Hyderabad to Delhi so once you're on the plane and it's taken off you can't choose to get off it you have to wait till it lands in Delhi on the plane you could go to sleep or you could read a newspaper or when they arrive, the police are waiting to arrest them. So, the, the, the major, some major situation or, or tendency, that is fixed. But according to our choices, that, that there may be different variations within that or various manifestations of it. One devotee who's an astrologer told me that uh, in someone's chart you might see that for this period of their life uh, they're living in confinement, they're not allowed to go out here and there, they're under strict discipline, you know, every minute of their, you know, their daily schedule is given, their food is given, they have no choice, so that's fixed. Looks like they're going to be in prison. But it might be that they're in an ashram. If you if you're behave badly, you might end up in a prison. But if you might be uh, 
religiously minded and be in an ashram. You have to choose. So there is freedom of choice. It's not, it's not that everything's totally fixed. You walk up to someone and slap them in the face and say, well, you know, I was destined to do that. No, that such a plea won't stand in a court of law. Yeah, okay. Does really Guru suffer the karma of his disciples? Does a Guru really suffer the karma of his disciples? What's the nature of the question? I mean, how, how are you going to measure it? It's stated thus in Shastra. We can't... There's no way to measure it by any uh, physical means. So we accept Shastric statements, that's all. Yeah. According to Shastra, Guru suffers for the, from the uh, sinful activities of the disciples. Yeah, then? It is such a destroyer of faith that when many devotees who are advanced in senior Krishna conscious go astray philosophically, how to understand this? This is more or less this question was asked and dealt with yesterday, right? It says when devotees, senior devotees, they become deviated. This was more or less this. More or less the same question was dis discussed yesterday. So I'm not going to take it again now. So if you want, you can hear the recording from yesterday. How yeah. should we... It's like the same questions again and again. How should we deal with parents who are totally against their children's practicing Krishna consciousness? How do we make sure our parents... How do we make sure our parents also take to Krishna consciousness or at least be favorable to their children practicing Krishna consciousness? Well, my question is, how are you sure that your parents are totally against the children's practice in Krishna consciousness? Again. Because it's because you want to make sure that they take to Krishna consciousness that they're uh, against you trying to force them. They might not be totally against it, but they might uh, have reservations which are increased by the... Uh, Children behaving in a way which uh, worries the parents. So it's uh, very delicate how to deal with relatives when one takes to Krishna consciousness. And we, we can't expect that in all cases they'll understand what we're doing or accept that. So, uh, yeah, it's just like, you know, some people... They come home one day and they say, well, you're a demon, you're eating meat, and you know. They, they all know they're a demon. So if you tell them out front, they might, from their children, then they wonder, you know, what's going on? It's difficult for them to accept it from their children. So there's no uh, one formula for dealing with this situation. Because people are very different. And relationships between people are very different. So some children, if they preach to their parents about Krishna consciousness, the parents also take it. And in some cases, they don't take it. So if you're having difficulty in dealing with your parents, it's probably better to discuss with a uh, senior devotee, experienced devotee, who can give some guidance relevant to your particular situation. Uh, then...
how to scale the advancement in Krishna consciousness. How to measure, I guess that means, advancement in Krishna consciousness. Well, there are many symptoms of someone who is Krishna conscious and many symptoms of someone who isn't. Uh, in summary, one who is uh, in, enthusiastic for hearing and chanting about Krishna and serving Krishna is Krishna conscious. Sure. And as much as we're attracted to topics of the material world, we're not Krishna conscious. How do we know that Guru and Krishna is pleased with our service? People often ask me this. I tell them, well, you can ask your guru if you're in, in any doubt. Generally, if we are performing service sincerely, we should uh, have the faith that Krishna is very kind and even though we are incapable, he will appreciate our efforts. And at the same time, uh, we should never be satisfied and think, well, now I'm doing very nicely. We should always think, I should do more. I should improve my service. Yeah. Then, any more questions? This is in Telugu. Okay, read it in Telugu. Grahastha Brahmachari. Okay. There are two questions. First one is, how to remain an eternal Brahmachari? What are the rules and regulations to remain an eternal Brahmachari? Our aim is not to be an eternal Brahmachari. Our aim is to be a servant of Krishna. It's better to be born in a family in Vrindavan than to be a, you know, a Brahmachari in a Gurukul. In, I mean, in Golok Vrindavan than to be a Brahmachari or Sannyasi in the Himalayas. So, yeah, it's the wrong question. It's not Brahmachari is actually a situation within Varnashram, within this material world. So, with internal Brahmachari, then you have to stay eternally in the material world. Another meaning of Brahmachari is one who is, he moves in the spiritual atmosphere. So, every devotee is a Brahmachari in that sense. Maybe they mean throughout life. Is that is that what's meant? To, how to remain throughout life a brahmachari? Well, you know, just don't get married and don't get in trouble. But again, it's not our main aim. It's much better to be a grihasta devotee of Krishna than to be a strict brahmachari who's not a devotee of Krishna. If one is unmarried and is uh, male and is not uh, and is enthusiastic for serving Guru and Krishna and is not inclined to family life, then to remain a brahmachari is a is a good prospect. But it's not necessarily that by remaining a brahmachari one becomes a pure devotee. It's not necessarily that by being married you won't be a pure devotee. Yeah, then there's another question. What are the... Say it in Telugu. I already said it. Say it again. What are the rules and regulations for Guruhastha Brahmachari? It just means that uh, one 
cohabits with his wife only for the sake of begetting Krishna conscious children. That's in brief, that's what it means. Yeah. All right, anything else? What is the difference between straightforwardness and criticism? Again, we already dealt with this to some extent. Right, so it's already... Listen to the uh, tape yesterday, of yesterday's class. Frequently asked questions. I heard from one sannyasi that kirtan is more important than chanting. Kirtan. That means than japa. And the question is why? Well, I don't know in what context that was said. I don't know if there's any uh, Shastric basis for that. So I can't really comment. Better ask that sannyasi. I think we can all experience that uh, it's easier to get absorbed in kirtan often than it is in japa. But both practices are essential. Kani. So, yeah, if you... Betty, I, I, I'm not sure exactly... Why the sannyasi said that, or even if he did exactly say that, maybe it was misunderstood because I I never heard any statement like that previously. So you better ask that sannyasi exactly what he meant. Yeah, then there are some devotees who are inclined towards service but not sadhana, and there are devotees who are vice versa. Others say that we should balance. What is that balance? <laughs> Interesting question. Sadhana. Sadhana. The balance is how much Krishna is pleased with us. Krishna doesn't need our service or our sadhana. But different devotees have different inclinations. Ultimately, sadhana is meant to lead us to selfless service. So if we're only interested in sadhana, but we're not interested in doing anything else, then then we might be... uh, Missing the point altogether. Actually, service is sadhana and sadhana is service. But yeah, again, if we see someone's, uh, if they're all the time just doing different services but they have no interest in hearing and chanting, then they're not really in Krishna consciousness at all. So again, it'll be different for different devotees. Some, some will do lots of service and, and less sadhana. Some will be more doing lots of sadhana and less service. Different inclinations are there also. So we should do lots of sadhana, lots of service. More and more and more and more and more service. More and more and more and more sadhana. Every day we should chant at least 64 rounds. Read Srila Prabhupada's books at least 5 hours a day. God and book distribution 12 hours a day. Like that. That's the balance. As my one of my first term presidents told me, our motto is, eat less, sleep less, distribute more books. But he also himself set a very good example in sadhana and service. Hmm, okay, maybe time for one more question. So, as a follow-up to the earlier question, if an impersonist maintains that God must be beyond all characteristics, how can we respond to... To that he does and can be known by us. How can we respond that he? Oh, 
Yet if the impersonalist maintains that God must be maintained beyond all characteristics, then how can we respond that he does and can be known by us? In other words, if Bhagavan is nirvishesh, then how can we say, if the impersonalist says Bhagavan is nirvishesh, then how can we say that uh, we can know him? Yeah. Well, why do we have to accept his proposition, the impersonalist proposition that, that the Supreme is nirvishesh? If we accept that proposition, then God becomes unknowable. That's true. That's our whole argument with them. If the ultimate is attributeless, then where have, where does all this come from? Where is all the, everything, everything is understood by its attributes. This is a watch, right? It's not a cow, is it? It's quite definitely not a cow. It's quite definitely a watch. It has all the characteristics of a watch and none of the a cow. So every everything is uh, distinguishable and definable by its characteristics. So if we say that ultimately nothing has any characteristics, nothing has any characteristics, it just doesn't make sense. Manu. Why do we accept that proposition? God has no attributes, then what is the meaning to him being God anyway? God is the supreme, where we have form and he doesn't have form. We've got something he doesn't have. So again, we don't accept that proposition. All right, we're going to finish there and chant Hare Krishna. How's your voice, Savyasati Das? Recovered? Okay, you're going to leave Kirtan? Have any energy after that long journey? Kirtan will give you energy. You ready? Okay. I'll go and come after 10 15 minutes. Yeah, you want to make an announcement? After the RT. After the RT. Okay. Oh! We wanted to have some little two minute Telugu preaching session. Yeah? You ready? You ready? You're going to read from Bhagavad Gita. What's it called? Jata, Jata Tata? Jata Tata. Okay. Andari Kisusvagatam. Bagunara. Chara Bagunam. Anukuntanam. Mm. Guru Maharaj uh, Telugulo mm. <coughs> Kodisamayam Matla Damani Naku Cheperu What does that mean? Some time ago I told you to speak and learn to uh, speak Telugu? Yeah. Okay, go on. I mean, uh, that ask me to tell Uh-huh. Okay, all right. Go on. So, Gadadar Krishna Das, Enenu Polen Desham Nundivachanu, Gata Nalugu Samatsa Krishna Chi. Okay, Nimisham. 
He's learning. It's, it's all right. It's a good. It's a beginning, yeah. right? What's that? Four years in Krishna consciousness. Yeah. yeah go on. Go on. Gata nalugu samvatsa raluga barata desham lo unnanu. Barata desham adiatmika divananiki divananiki manchi pradesham Mario Krishna di dvara Bhagavad Gita Krishna di dvara ikada chepa chepa ba dindi so Krishna do Devadi Devudu. Idi Bhagavad Gita Yadhatada Mu Purtiga Bhagavad Gita Paddanimidi Adhyayalu So Samskrutu Shlokam Ardam tatvaryam mariubasyam. So, Bhagavad Gita atyunanta mainagnanam. So, Bhagavad Gita na jivitani marchindi. Mi jivitani jivitani You have to give him a little help. Jivitani kuda marcha galadu. So, Dayachesi Bhagavarita Shadavandi Hare Krishna Mahaman Tranni Japanchandi Mariu Anandin Chandi Hare Krishna. Chaladanya Vadu. Hare Krishna! Sadhu, sadhu. I don't know what you said, but it sounded very sweet. <laughs> what do you think, Telugu speakers? He's on the way, huh? So next time it'll be more flowing. Jai, Hare Krishna. Chala Danyavadam, Hare Krishna. Good. The Guru is Goradas. Namitrudu. Teaching Telugu, taking the trouble to do that. Good. Very good. Okay. Hare Krishna.